Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey everybody, Dr. Dad's coming at you. We've been on a little hiatus. Dr. Nick, what's happening, my brother? So much is happening, right? I mean, we're we're in such an interesting situation in our lives, all of us right now, and and it's, it feels like there's never enough time. I mean, I don't know about you, but it, and I've said this before in previous years, but it, it massively feels like time's speeding up, and and yet it, it, things still see the same, seem the same. <laughs> uh, I'm with you, man. It, it almost seems like this time of year it feels that way too, but especially with with the the crisis that we're all in right now and having to deal with this pandemic, it kind of feels like it's tenfold this year a little bit. Yeah, yeah, big time. So yeah, lots lots of stuff going on. Yeah, and and I want to just uh, acknowledge that you guys, you and Clarissa, just had your eleventh, is it eleventh eleventh year anniversary? I mean, that's yeah. a that's a that's a powerful number. Thank you, man. Yeah. We had a blast, man. We got to to escape uh, the madness and head out to Sedona and spend some time and, like I just told you, like planet Mars with oxygen and greenery everywhere. But beautiful place, great place to unwind and just kind of get recentered, and so I can come back and uh, you know be a be a better version of myself for everybody. So it was nice, man. That's good. I mean, it's time. I mean. In this world of lack of connection at the moment, I mean, taking time for those that are close to you and, and you know, uh, loving on them and spending time with them and it allows us to, you know, this opportunity does allow us to sort of go, go within and really fine tune our really important relationships. And so, you know, I love that you guys got a chance to get away. Um, so important. Yeah, we need, I mean, you hit it on the head, man, just with everything going on right now, and I'm sure this is happening in other people's lives and their families, is like, are we taking time to make those deeper connections, like you're saying, like me and Clit, we were due, man, like we we needed some time by ourselves to just like reconnect with each other and yeah. kind of touch a base on where we're at with everything and, and not just our marriage, but just like everything that's going on right now and what's maybe mm-hmm. coming in the future and stuff like that, so... Yeah. It was good, man. It was good. And then, yeah, it's nice to look back and say, man, has it been 11 years already? So, yeah, speaking of time flying. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Crazy fast. Well, everyone, we're going to talk about some some stuff that's on everybody's mind. We're going to be talking about the elephant in the room uh, and in vari- with through various different lenses. Um, so, you know, I, I did a post the other day that, that resonated with you. And, and why don't we sort of start there? And it was something along the lines of, you know, while we're doing these lockdowns, while we're doing the face coverings and, um, you know, honoring our neighbors by, you know, keeping everyone safe and, you know, quote unquote, doing the right thing. Why don't we also cut out sugar in our lives? Why don't we also cut out the trans fats? Why don't we also look at some of the other variables that lead to chronic and acute illness and rises inflammation and cardiovascular disease, which really is our lifestyle habits you know, the alcohol, maybe the drugs, the, you know, like I said, the fake food that we're just hoarding into our bodies. I mean, how many patients have, have we, have you seen that have been like, you know, what, I've, I've got the COVID body or, you know, I've, I've really gone off my regular routine and I've packed on a few extra pounds in, in many cases. Um, you know, and this has nothing to do, we're even yet talked about, you know, suicides, depression, 
mental health, uh, drug overdose. This is just for those of us who don't yet realize maybe that we're, we're you know, knee deep in, in our own emotional trauma or physical trauma. But there's a whole lot of just garbage lifestyle going on and that's not getting any attention whatsoever or not nearly enough that it should. And so that's sort of like the first little elephant or big elephant, I think, that, uh, that we wanted to talk about today. You know, you made that comment and like I told you, like it's just been something on my mind. Like we're always on the same wavelength, right? And, and yeah, man, it's just like every day I'm waking up and I'm like, why are we not talking about what is going to put people at more risk right now with all these things? Because I know that we got stuff going on and yes, we do have to make these adaptations from a, from a lifestyle standpoint because we're having to quarantine and we're having to wear masks and we're having to do all these things. But like you're saying, like some people are adapting really well right now and they're figuring their way out through this mm-hmm. and other people, man, they are falling apart and their health is just diminishing in more ways than one. And this is actually making them more susceptible to getting this infection and having mm-hmm. a problem. And this is a worldwide issue, man. This isn't, you know, just where I'm at. I mean, El Paso is a big hotspot right now. I mean, mm-hmm. probably already seen it on national news and world news is like, they're calling us the second New York, the second wave New York, right? Cause we're getting hit so hard, but there's a reason why we're getting hit so hard. And it's like, nobody wants to address the elephant in the room is like, why is El Paso and what is Mexico and Las Cruces, New Mexico and this region? Why are we struggling so much with the virus right now? And in a nutshell, it's, it's root issues like, oh, wow, we have a big metabolic disease issue in this whole region. And we have obesity like crazy high mm-hmm. in this region. I mean, El Paso is always in the top 10 most obese cities in the, in the, in the country. Wow. So we knew back like during the first wave, once they started researching this stuff, that some of the major risk factors for COVID are metabolic disease, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's almost like nobody wants to talk about that. They're just mm-hmm. like fixated on mask, 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 and social distancing and, and these other things. And those things are good. Those are great, right? Like we need to do some of these things to look out for some people that are at higher risk. I'm not against mm-hmm. these things. But are people bearing down and starting to do the things that matter to actually reduce their risk, which is, like you're saying, it's coming from a lifestyle and an adaptation to what is happening right now in this world. And I'm watching some people thrive during this and doing well, and then I'm seeing the opposite, man. So I really wanted to spend some time and really talk about like, what are some people doing that are really causing problems and gonna lead you down the wrong path and cause health issues that are gonna make you, you know, at a higher risk to have problems with this versus these are things you should be doing mm-hmm. so that you can go to the root of what's putting you at risk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, here in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, a relatively healthy culture, comparatively speaking, um, you know, we do see a, a rise in cases. Uh, I, I don't think that there's actually been a, a rise in deaths. Uh, I mean, we've been pretty low numbers in general anyways. Uh, but it's definitely, it's a different, we're, we're living in a different, you know, lifestyle culture here than, than where you're at. And yes, absolutely. This isn't being talked about enough. It's, it's not, you know, we, we keep thinking that this virus, um, you know, technically is going to 
infect everybody. You know, we have to lower the stress onto the hospitals. And, and as we've just alluded to or, or stated that, that definitely there's gonna be some areas that are gonna be harder hit. And, and I think we can prepare for that based on the, the population and the demographics of the population. And we can be a little bit more focused. And at the end of the day, you know, a virus is a virus. It's going to spread. <laughs> so viruses do. They're just being viruses. They, they will spread. Whether we don't, it's not even totally clear yet whether this is aerosolized, whether it's, it stays on surfaces for long enough. I mean, it's, there's a flip-flop of information all over the place as to how this thing is spreading. Um, it's unfortunate that healthy people or the asymptomatic carriers are being, you know, so aggressively, you know, pointed at for being one of the main routes of transmission. And that, and again, that's not clear. There's been no hard evidence that I've seen that's been definitively pointing to asymptomatic people as the main cause of spreading. And so if that becomes the lens through which we see, and if the lens through which we see also is just looking at those who are affected or infected, I should say, uh, based on that um, poorly, you know, um, the, the poor data on the, on the PCR test. I mean, again, there, there's another thing that's not very clear uh, as to the efficacy. There's some data point that, you know, 40, 30, 40% false positive, 40% false negative. I mean, so there's, there's a breakdown of communication and clarity across the testing, across what the numbers actually mean, how many people are in the hospital, the demographics of a population, you know, the overall health and, and how that trickles down into the community. I mean, these are all things that you would think, given that we're, you know, eight, nine months into this experience, that this would have been communicated on a, in a more profound kind of way. Because I can't help but think, like, what if, you know, we looked at some of the earlier research on some of the, the coronaviruses and, and saw that, well, oh, vitamin D was effective. Um, some great data on hydroxychloroquine, which goes back to some studies from 2005. You know, there's, what about vitamin C? What about some of these other things that we've known for decades have been effective? Why can't that also be part of the communication along with, you know what, we should start cutting out some of the sugar, the alcohol, some of these unhealthy foods. We could have had a completely different scenario, I think, on quelling some of the fear. Um, I mean, we have so much to say on this, but I, I think that those are some points I'd love to hear uh, where you're at with them. Well, you and I know that your immunity doesn't come in a mask. It doesn't come by distancing. It doesn't come by washing your hands. These are things that are more of like avoidance, right? And that's, that's, the, that's the tale that's being told. And that's like, like you're saying, it's the only tale that's being told. And so like you're speaking to, okay, how do we take instead of a reactive way of addressing this problem, why don't we get into more of a, let's create something that needs to be done because we know we have to address these bigger problems. Like I'm saying earlier, like we have a big health crisis in this area and this is why we're struggling so much. Mm -hmm. So it's not a surprise to me that we're getting hit this hard. When this was first happening on this first wave, I thought about this. I said, man, if there's a second wave, we're probably going to get hit pretty damn hard in El Paso because I started seeing what these risk factors were. So a lot of people started trying to address their health after that first wave, right? They took a proactive approach and said, okay, I'm not healthy. Let me go get healthy. And a lot of people did. They started losing weight and they started taking better care of themselves and changing their diets, right? And exercising and doing all these things. 
But then, buddy, we have this massive onslaught of the other stuff happening. And then nobody wants to address these problems, right? So, like, I want to just give some, like, examples of what, how this looks to a lot of people. You know, we have people living in fear. So that just in itself, because they're in fear daily for their lives, they're, they're, they're lowering their immune response, like, massively. I mean, what kind of state is that putting you in that onslaught of stress doing to you every single day to your health? And then how are people managing that stress? Well, a lot of people are turning to alcohol or yep. they're, they're smoking weed or, you know, they're doing opioids or, you know, they're eating Staying sugar. up late and watching TV or They're slamming sugar all day, you know, like they're, they're, yeah, they're sitting on the couch all day right? All the things that you should not be doing when we have these problems, right? Those are like the, the complete opposite. Those are all going to give you a negative return. And what people need to be understanding is, okay, if we have this bug out there and everybody's at some kind of potential risk and some people more than others, what can I be doing proactively in creation in my daily now to help reduce my risk? And to me, that's a better answer for this problem, man, than waiting for like this magical magic bullet that they're making it appear to be like, there's just going to be a vaccine that's going to make this all go away. But they've been working on it over a decade to try to develop something like this, and they've been unsuccessful. So we're going to do it all of a sudden in a year without any long-term research to see long-term problems of inoculating people with stuff like this. And they're all over the place, man. And I was telling you earlier, one of the vaccines Wes says, well, this should help the person from dying from COVID, but it's not going to keep it from spreading. Well, then what the hell is the point of vaccinating people? The whole idea is to stop the spread. That's what we're trying to build a vaccine for, right? Yeah. So you have what, like 121 companies or countries trying to like, they're on this rat race to try to develop the winner. And it's almost like they're, and I hate to say this, yes, for some degree, it, it's to find a solution to the problem. And I get that. But like you're saying, that's just one of these storylines that's being told of how we're going to take care of this. But what about the like, I feel like the foundation of what we need to be doing is what we're talking to here is like, okay, people are afraid. They don't want to go to the store. So instead of buying healthy food, they're buying all processed, boxed, canned, bagged food. That's, it's all crap, man. So they're eating worse now than they probably were before all this was going down. Right? Then they're not moving. They're staying indoors all day. I know people that are afraid just to leave the house. I watch people in El Paso walking around wearing their masks when they go on walks when there's nobody around them. Like, I mean, these aren't healthy habits. Yeah. And so there's this, this massive onslaught, right? And so from a solution place, man, when we're trying to fight a bigger problem here, because, and I'm, I'm gonna say something, and for our listeners, please don't take this the wrong way because this isn't, it's not as black and white as it's going to sound, but we have always had viruses. There have always been these super bugs since the beginning of time and they're not going away. There's going to be another one coming a decade or the next four or five years. The reality is it's survival of the fittest and it always has been that way. And if you look at the people that we're losing during this massive problem, it's people a lot of the people have pre-existing health conditions where they did not take care of themselves. And then now they're paying the price for it. 
because like we talk all the time, ter your terrain and your overall health plays into how well you can fight these guys off. So that's why you see a lot of people that get this can fight it off just fine and they're good. And then you have other people, this thing just floors them from day one, man, and they're done. You know, people are so afraid right now to just end up in the hospital because they know the moment they end up in the hospital, that's almost a death sentence for them. Because I don't think some people even have faith in the hospital's ability to save their life right now. And that's scary, man. You know, it's scary for me too. I have relatives that could possibly get sick from this and end up in the hospital. And I, I would be worried if they end up in the hospital. I wouldn't have faith at this point that they were going to be able to survive with what's happening right now. So how do we get to a place with all this where we're preventing from that even happening? Because this isn't going away. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it's survival of the fittest and it always has been. And I don't mean that from a, from a bad place. I really don't. But that's mm -hmm. the reality of it. And whether you want to chew that and swallow it, that's up to you. That's up to our listeners, right? Mm -hmm. It's always been that way. People die. Yeah. And it, it just needs to be said, man. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate that I have to talk about it like that, but that is the reality of what we're, what we're speaking to. Mm -hmm. And you brought up so many points and I, my, my head spinning with like all the different directions this conversation could go. But I mean, since you sort of ended on this, this point, let's, let's sort of flesh out this reality of, of death a little bit. Because I, I think that's part of probably the biggest elephant in this room is that we have a massive collective fear of what happens when we die. And uh, this, this heaviness of just speaking the word death. You know, we're both parents. Um, the worst thing that could probably ever happen to us is if we lost a child, right? And if our, one of our children went before us. And people are dealing with that every day. Absolutely every day. And, you know, one of the saddest communities that's dealing with loss right now is the, the addiction and drug abuse and over, over uh, mental health. And um, the social inequality is probably one of the biggest factors um, or unspoken uh, population of people that are, that are probably, you know, maybe, dare I say, suffering the most. And because there's so much isolation and there's so much... Um, lack of community and, and it's it's a very scary place so I think on this concept of, of death you know all of us in this time of incubation I think need to do a, a bit of soul searching on what it, what what does death actually mean because when you hear that word you can go to some dark places and it can feel very isolating and alone it can feel like the experience that we're having right now you know globally but I mean this is the time for people I think you know, or we have an opportunity anyways to, you know, find some mentors, some, some guides, some support. Maybe it's to anchor back into your religious faith or, or, or become inquisitive and in like, what happens when we die? You know, what, what does death mean? A book that I often refer people to to sort of engage this duality of the physical self and the spiritual self is uh, by Gary Zukov. Uh, the book's name is the seed of the soul. And he talks about, we've got this five cents, version of who we are and we're so attached to that right now especially with you know life hanging in the balance so to speak uh, but that's your hear touch taste smell uh, uh, senses and that's what really defines our ego body our, our our sense of i in this world as a separate self from everybody else that's one version 
of this experience of life on this planet at this point in time. Um, then there's this other experience, which is the multi-sensory personality, the, the big you, the, the version where, you know, in my experiential self, uh, through meditation, through yoga, through all sorts of wacky shit I've, <laughs> I've done for myself uh, in, this ex in this life experience, I've realized that there's so much more, there's so much more than this five-sense reality. And I can anchor into that very, very... Um, in a very tangible way because I've had experience of, of this extra sensory version of me. And so I've, I've experienced what it feels like to, to be in a different kind of relationship to, to death. And, uh, and I've, you know, and I've, I've felt the, the beauty in it. And I think collectively we're, there's so much fear around death that we don't really have a healthy relationship with it. So I, I did, I did want to sort of, you know, continue on in that in that conversation i think you started because if that's the worst thing we we have no idea and we we haven't yet connected if 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 death if dying is the absolute worst thing that could ever happen to us we haven't created a healthy relationship with it yet and there's an opportunity to do that there's an opportunity to to experience that or start a dialogue of questioning what does that actually mean you know like you said find a mentor read some books you know, read the books, you see the soul with Gary Zukov. I mean, find something where you can feel a little bit more connected to something bigger um, so that this experience we're in doesn't have to be as heavy as it, as it feels. So I just want to throw that out there. No, I'm glad you said that, man, because I think that's the main thing that's stemming from the fear. That's what's on everybody's mind, right? And again, like you said, we're going to address the elephants and death is the biggest elephant, right? Um, but I'm glad you said that. So outside of finding just a mentor to help you on that mental, emotional, you know, side to get some growth and evolution there, why not find a mentor or a teacher to help you with your health? If you're mm -hmm. sitting down listening to this right now and you're, and you're saying, okay, well, I have metabolic disease issues or I'm overweight or obese. Well, maybe it's time for you to, to kind of like dive into that, be real with yourself and say, okay, what steps do I need to start taking towards making lifestyle changes to start addressing my health so that I can reduce my risk for this so I can grow and evolve because maybe I haven't been taking as good a care of myself as I need to be yeah. versus just staying in this reactive form and saying, well, you know, I'm just going to sit at home and, you know, live with the stress and the fear and just drink it away or smoke it away or do whatever these things versus like, how do, how do I take, how do I take a proactive stance? Mm -hmm. And, and there's so many ways to do that. Right. I mean, even if you're stuck at home, everybody's going virtual right now. There's telemedicine, there's all kinds of stuff. Right. So reach out, find somebody to help you start making steps in the right direction. You know, if you're not eating right, Find somebody to counsel you on that stuff, right? To consult with and, and help you, you know, start making better decisions and better habits. If you haven't been exercising, get your ass outside. Get some sunlight. Start walking. Walking is like super easy to do. There's so many, there's so much room for growth right now in this period that we're in. And I feel like some people are just so stuck and instead of growing, they're just like falling apart. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's an opportune time for that growth because of the amount of disruption that we're all having and the amount of shifting that's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's powerful. And, and I think that that's that, 
that linking of, you know, change our relationship to death, but also change our relationship to living and truly living, you know, because in this experience, when, when like a mask and social distancing and lockdowns are not going to cover up the trauma that, that we're all actually dealing with, like collectively, our brothers and sisters are really sick. Our brothers and sisters are dealing with metabolic disease or cardiovascular disease and cancer and autoimmune conditions. And um, that's not okay. It's not okay for us to have, you know, people in our culture that, that don't have access to better food and better education around food. And, and, you know, people need to listen to podcasts like this more so that they can maybe get off, get out of the, the, the stress state that they're in and realize that there are options out there that are available. So we need to do a better job of living and no mask or social distancing or, or lockdowns are going to cover up, are going to be the band-aid, the symptom controlling band-aid for this collective unhealth that we're experiencing. And that's just a reality. And uh, sort of on this topic, a little, little like a trigger for me, for sure, a frustration is this, and I can't say that I felt it personally. I just, I see it, you know, I see it through social media and whatnot, but I see this, this virtue signaling kind of this, this tag term that seems to have flourished in this time right now where we're shaming people for not thinking of the collective, you know, shaming people for not wearing the mask and, and whatever, you know, we have no idea what people are going through. How could we, we don't know them. Like unless we've had to have a direct relationship with them, who are we to judge anyone for their behavior right now? They, we're just not, that's not our position. Like, so if we're, if we're going to be judged for whether or not we wear a mask or if we're actually maintaining this metaphysical six feet that's going to prevent us from getting a virus, uh, which is just you know, based on I don't know what, um, there's no magical <laughs> number of feet that you could be away to avoid a virus. It just doesn't, it doesn't exist. It's just, it's, let's just call it what it is. It's just being polite to someone else, wearing a mask for the most part, unless there's been hard science that I haven't read, wearing a mask for the most part is a, a service uh, to protect our brothers and sisters, you know, or, or so it's, that's what it seems to be. But you don't see people who are exercising, eating the right food, you know, diving into healthier mindset, shaming people for eating garbage and, and blaming them for spreading a virus. Like we don't, I would never do that, you know, in, and or I don't think I would, <laughs> but the point is, is that, let's stop the shaming. Let's stop the blaming. Like th there's an opportunity for all of us to come together and ask questions, be curious about what other people's perspectives and, and experiences are. But if we're going to, if we're going to shame and blame people for not wearing a mask, then, you know, people technically have every right to shame and blame someone for eating shitty food and not exercising and drinking too much alcohol or drugs or whatever the story is. Like let's not pretend that there's hard science on anything that we're being recommended to do right now. And what if we did it all? Like, what if we did what we're doing now, plus we did everything that you and I have been speaking to? Would What would that look like, right? Well, yeah, what, what would things look like if we did everything we're doing now, plus we did the, the change in diet, we, we started to exercise, we, got, we gave up the drinking, or we faced our addictive behaviors and, and gone in for some treatment. We, you know, we started to collectively improve our chances and, and our resilience in spite of, you know, the world that we're in. Well, another thing, you know, those are all really good points. And you kind of like stirred up a thought there with me as far as, okay, we all are having a very different reality 
of what this is. There's a, so much contrast between individuals, right? It's almost like you're stepping on eggshells to like talk about how you feel about it versus how somebody else who's maybe living in fear and somebody who's not. But instead of maybe meeting that with resistance with another individual, wouldn't it be a better thing to sit there and say, okay, why is this person maybe not in fear? Like what are, what are they, what, what is their reality right now? Why they're not living in fear, you know, or if you're someone who's not in fear and somebody's in fear, maybe sit and have a conversation with that, with that person, but not from non-judgment, a dialectic and just say, talk to me, like, tell me why you're afraid. Like, what is it about this that is bringing that fear about, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, such an important question. And, and that's where I think we can move out of our resistance and into a compassion and, and like truly empathizing with the other person that's in front of us. Well, and then remembering that it's not about us. It's not about just you. It's about the collective. One of the biggest things that I think that many people on this planet have lost sight of is it's about the collective. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. It's about your neighbor. It's about the person you see at the grocery store. It's about people that you see at your job. Like we lost this, this love for others and this connection of understanding that we're here for each other. And I feel like right now in all this, it's turning into this very individual, just me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. I just got to look out for me. And instead of us coming together as a collective and this chaos that's happening in the world right now, it's just causing all this separatism, man. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like people are pulling away from each other instead of coming together. And I think that's a big piece of the puzzle, man. Yeah. Is like, we have to dive into each other to find the solution to these things. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful statement. And, you know, I have to take ownership or I've, I've, I, I'm guilty of that too. Right. Like I, I don't want to live in the fear. And so I, I can see myself being feeling resistant towards, you know, certain conversations and I can feel that stir of emotion inside. Uh, luckily, you know, I, I can always anchor back into this, but I mean, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't triggered by, you know, hearing people shout from the mountaintops that, you know, how dare you not wear your mask or how dare you, um, you know, not social distance or, or like, I feel like the, the injustice to some degree of people, you know, experiencing trauma and then blaming others for it. And there's this great quote that I read um, out of a book that's really made me reflect. And it was something in a paraphrase here, but something along the lines of like, um, your ignorance is really a measure of your um, perception of injustice and evil and tragedy in the world. And um, when a, I, I'm going to try for this next part, um, but to a master, uh, a, a caterpillar coming out of the cocoon is not, is not the end of the caterpillar's life. It's, it's the transformation into a butterfly. So, so that's how a master would see it. So master doesn't look for the evil, doesn't look for the injustice. It doesn't look for the tragedy and the trauma. Uh, the, the master sees the transformation. And so it's caused me to, to sit back and, and realize where I've been offering judgment to this situation as well and just trying to find that neutral space of, 
of what you just spoke to of empathizing, you know, of asking our neighbors questions and why do you feel like that? You know, instead of just coming from this reactivity place. And so I think we can all, you know, address this growth and experience that we need to, to address. And, you know, um, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting dance for sure. And it, and it cause it's forcing all of us to wake up, grow up, you know, level up and, and, and all these different ways. Well, and since we're talking about fear, because I think we've said that word about 30 times already, fear is not real. And so I want everybody to really take that in what I just said. It does, it's not real. We create this. There's only danger. So is there danger right now? Yes, there is. But fear is a choice. And when you make that choice to adopt that fear, you create a cascade of problems for your well-being. From a mental place, from a physical place, from a spiritual place, it just trickles its all it trickles itself through you and it, it's one of the most robbing feelings that you will ever have in life for you not to experience life. And so just to give an example like when this first all started going down with the first wave, I think everybody was having fear. I think that was a reality for everybody. And everybody had to get their grips on what was going on. And everybody had to come to their own conclusions of what they thought their reality was going to be with this. But look at you and me, man. I mean, we've had to go to work. We see hundreds of people every week. I have to touch people every day. I have to get up. I have to go to work. I have to put my hands on over 100 people a week. I have to get in close contact with them. I have to go home around my family, okay? Not knowing if anybody that's coming into my clinic maybe has this and I'm taking it home. So back then, I could have taken on that fear and said, okay, I'm going to just hold on to this this whole time. And I'm going to carry this with me for the next eight months, however long it's been since the beginning of this. But where would I be right now if I did that? Or I can do what I did, which is I realized that, you know what, this is a choice. Is there danger? Yes. But what do I need to do as an, and as an individual to take care of myself, to take care of my family, and to take care of people that I see every day, right? So just try to reduce this risk and danger for people, but not live in fear. So, brother, I don't get up living in fear daily right now. I don't. And I'm in the hottest spot in the country right now. I'm not afraid. There's not an ounce of fear running through my veins right now, man. I get up, I go to work, I do what I love every day. And I try to help people that are struggling with this, right? But at the end of the day, it's a choice, man. Yeah. And, and I see so many people that have not, I don't think they've come out of it since mm -hmm. this started. Mm -hmm. I mean, the stuff I'm seeing that there's parents that have not let their kids leave the house for like eight months here, man. And I'm, I think that's ridiculous. These poor kids. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's almost like we're allowing fear to overtake everything and it's creating this massive amount of chaos. And what people need to understand is like, like you're saying, like you don't have control of any of this outside of what you can do for yourself. Mm -hmm. That is it. Yeah. Outside of that, you have zero control. So why don't you focus on what you have control on? Mm -hmm. 
which is your choices and what you're going to do in a creation matter versus a reaction to what is happening around you. It's beautiful, brother. Um, that's a really important concept, I think, for all of us to reflect on. And uh, I want to make sure that we also just dove in a little bit more on a topic you brought up earlier, which was regarding this experimental vaccine, just because a lot of us are facing this. We, we already know that masks in many places have become mandatory. Um, you know, lockdowns are obviously, they're, they're mandatory depending on where you're at. Um, will this vaccine become mandatory? And, you know, I just want to, I'm going to share a little bit of, of uh, uh, Del Bigtree, what he says. And, and I think it's a really good neutral way to look at this. Everybody in the world, there's, there's people in the world who can't eat peanuts. Like you can't force peanuts on everybody because some people will die of anaphylaxis. You can't give an antibiotic to everybody because some people will react to it. Um, Technically speaking, you can't even give the, the least benign nutrient, vitamin C, to everybody because some people have something called G6PD deficiency where they don't, they don't do well with higher doses of uh, vitamin C. You know, you can't drink too much water. If too many people drank too much water, some people would die. <laughs> you can't do the same thing for everybody on the planet and expect it to work for, for people. And then what is the level of fallout that is, is it acceptable? Is it acceptable to give everybody peanuts on the planet and have quarter of the population die? You know, and I think that that's sort of just a simple way to look at anything mandated for everybody it never works out for everybody. And so if we're okay having some people not do well with certain therapy, then we all have to take on that responsibility. So I, I mean, I, I do get concerned about anything becoming mandated because I know that there's people in my practice that can't eat peanuts and I would never force peanuts upon them. I would, I would, when, you know, at schools, we don't bring, our kids aren't even allowed to bring cashews or almonds or anything uh, and no nuts and seeds are allowed at the school because some people, it will really affect them. I wish that we would take that same approach with anything on the, you know, with these big recommendations. There's some people who can't wear masks because they're autoimmune and they have lung compromise and it may put them into a shock. It may deplete their oxygen levels to, to, to such a degree that they, they're medically exempt from wearing masks. You know, we, why aren't we talking about this a little bit more? There's no one therapy that works for everybody. You know, and so with that in mind, that context, what do we need to grow human cells? We need air. We need water. We need food, we need love and compassion, we need shelter. You do that, maybe some amino acids and essential fatty acids, right? Because they're essential. Um, but you do that and you're building a healthy body. You exercise, you move, you, you breathe, you meditate. Those are core things that we need. Not everybody needs peanuts. Not everybody needs antibiotics. Not everybody needs a vaccine. It's, it is absolutely unsafe. To, to recommend a treatment that's going to work for everybody. It just, it can never happen. And so that's, that's one of my big hesitations is that this feels like an experiment. It feels like we've got a track record of data that doesn't go past a year for this. And yet we're going to give it to everybody on the planet. I mean, I have some real 
challenges with this. And, and it has nothing to do with being anti-vaccine. You could say that we're anti-peanuts or we're anti-antibiotics or we're whatever. I've prescribed antibiotics for people in certain situations. You know, like, again, that's the message. We're all unique, physiologically speaking, genetically speaking, nutritionally speaking, you know, hormonally speaking. We're all going to have different reactions to different things. You can't expect there to be, you know, this known reaction. So with anything experimental like this on a mass scale, it causes me to pause. And, you know, and I think that, um, I think a lot of people are in a similar situation. Like you said, there, there's been the effort for research over the last, you know, 10 years to try to figure this out and it hasn't been done. And, on, and then this year or in a couple months, um, this has been sorted out. And here's another thing just on this note with regards to the science of these things. You know, when, when you hear things are 90% effective, 95% effective, which is what we're being told, you have to break down at what? What are they effective at? Like the, the, the goal for this isn't, like you said, the goal, and it says on the manufacturing, it says on, they, they tell people this, it's not to stop the spread, it's to decrease the symptoms. And so if we mathematically actually broke that down, the 90, 90 to 95%, people need to look this up, they pooled 40,000 people, but their sample size where they got those numbers was, was actually like 90 to 95 people. And they extracted the statistics out of 0.02% of the total number of people for, for, the, for the, one, the Pfizer study, for example. So statistical analysis on a population size that's been shrunk down to make statistics look really good is great for media and is great for sharing, but it's not actually looking at hard science and hard data. Like we, we need to be more objective about this, especially if it's going to go across the entire globe. So I think that's really important information. And, you know, mathematically speaking, if we did the lifestyle practices, we did the, you know, the nutrients that were depleted in, if we, you know, maybe up some of our, our, our things that we know are supportive, like the vitamin D or the vitamin C, or, you know, again, depending on where our levels are, um, we can do things that, that stack the odds in our favor that actually help make healthy cells that, uh, you know, through doing the right nutrition, lifestyle habits, and supplementation where needed. We stack the odds in our favor. We don't have to be concerned about this one thing that we know can't work for everybody. So, those are, I mean, those are some of my thoughts that I think that are important to reflect on. This isn't about things being good or bad, but... This is an experimental treatment that's supposed to work on 100% of the population. It's just not. And, and their targeted outcomes are not to stop the spread. It's to decrease the symptoms. And, and I think we need to spend a little bit more attention on that. And I wish that was being shared in a more neutral way as opposed to like, this is going to, you know, this is the 95 or 90% effective thing that's going to fix everything. I mean, we, we just, there's nothing in medicine um, that works that well, except for water, nutrition, movement, breath, you know, like, cause those are sleep. the things that make healthy cells sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buddy, you couldn't have painted that any better. That was beautiful. The way you laid that out. I think that this, this, this false sense of security is being given to the population of like, Oh, they're going to find this magic bullet. And once they make it and I get it, like I'm good. But what people need to realize is, no, you're not. Because most of the time with vaccines, you need to hear this too, and most people understand this that have done the research, 
they don't do enough research before they start pumping you full of this stuff to know the long-term side effects of these things. They do that research after people start dying or have these massive reactions to this thing. And so we're taking a huge risk putting our faith and there's, that there's going to be this magic bullet that they're going to just start inoculating people and this is just going to go away. And I'm so glad you said that, man, because it's not going away, even with a vaccine. And it may get worse. And we don't know what that's going to look like right now. So we're thinking that, oh, there's this, there's this acute fix for this problem right now, but we may have chronic issues coming out of this due to this potential solution that we're having. And there's just too many unknowns. And I know there's a lot of people that you have some people on one side of the fence of like, oh, I can't wait for it. I'm going to be one of the first people to line up all the way to some people are like, absolutely not. I would not go. I'm not ever going to get that thing. So like you're saying, there is no one size fits all. And like you're saying, this isn't going away. But why don't we focus like Nick's saying on what we can control, what we do know works. What, why are most people are getting over this just fine? Well, they're usually healthy individuals that are already doing all these things. Mm -hmm. And they have a, a much stronger innate immunity and they can handle these bugs. There's a reason that some, a lot of, most of the people are getting over this. And there's also a reason why a lot of people aren't. So like you're saying, there is no hard data on all this stuff that's in limbo, but there is hard data on we can get healthier. Yeah. And that needs to be where your focus is. Yeah. There's uh, something that, that was shared uh, that, I, that I read earlier that uh, they're finding T lymphocytes, like your, your memory immune cells from some patients or some people or population of people post uh, the SARS, like the, the original SARS virus. And this is like 17 years later, you know, that obviously there was no vaccine at that time. So this is a long stretch of immunity <laughs> that's going like almost two decades. I mean, this is the beauty of our innate immune system. We have exposure, we adapt and we have memory. We have memory in our lymphocytes and what a beautiful, intricate complex system that our that our immune system is that it allows for that kind of um, experience there there is yet to be any um artificial way to do that to create such a lasting or that's been proven to this point i don't i don't know of it if there is you know, i'm happy to learn about it but there's no artificial way to do that to our immune system at this point in time and so that, I mean, these are, these are really important things, I think, for people to, to understand that your immune system has an incredible capacity to take in information from the surroundings, you know, make these memory T lymphocytes. And that's where, that's where so much of the focus is not being discussed. Or, or people who have had previous viruses in past years where there's this cross-reactivity, uh, where there's this intelligence of the immune system to sort of semi-recognize a new virus, a quote-unquote new virus in the environment because we have this cross-reactivity. We have this immune system that can, can adapt and can recognize something similar and so they can create another, you know, protective response. And again, these things, from what we understand from an innate immune response, that's lifelong immunity. And it's through this, this amazing evolution of our 
physical bodies over you know, millennia. And, you know, I think that's where we can anchor back into trust for the, the incredible design that our bodies are. And, uh, and, you know, I think this is where we can start to release some of that fear. So we, I mean, we covered a lot of topics today, brother. Um, I gotta say one more thing on that topic. Yeah, good. There is not a drug or vaccine in this universe that comes even close to the power of what your body can do. Nothing. There's nothing in existence. And you have been lied to and told that your health can come from the outside in. And that is not the reality for anybody. No. Your body has the ability to heal everything, but you either are not giving it what it needs to do that. And there's too much interference and it's not allowing that innate ability to express itself to do that. And that's what me and Nick are talking to. So do not place your faith in something outside of your body to help you with this. Because I promise you that is misplaced faith. My money is on my body to take care of this, not on anything outside of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't live in fear, man. That's why. Thanks for that. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, I'll tell you what, you know, those of you who are listening, Dave and I never like talking about things that are sort of poke the buttons or, or stir. Uh, we, we do in our own, you know, conversations with each other, but we, you know, we understand that, that everyone's coming from a different lens or looking through a different lens. And, you know, and I think it's also important sometimes to, to discuss some of these more challenging topics. And just because we're naturopathic doctors or chiropractic doctors does not mean that every naturopathic doctor thinks the way that we do, you know, we're all individuals. We've all had, decades of our own experiences on top of our naturopathic or chiropractic training. There's been many reasons why we've been able to come to the conclusions that we have about our bodies now that sometimes has nothing to do with our, our formal training. And, and you can talk to 10 different doctors, you may get 10 different answers. Um, but what we are seeing in this, in this world, whether it be some of the guests that we've interviewed or some of the, the, our mentors in our lives or some of the uh, other doctors we've connected to outside of the podcast, there's, there's a growing number of people and professionals in many different fields that are, that are sort of starting to question things. And I, and I think that healthy skepticism is always welcome um, on all sides. And, you know, I, can't, I keep thinking to be clear is to be kind. And I don't think there's a lot of clarity going on right now. And that's all we're asking for. I mean, I'm sure that's all you're asking for too, you who's listening. And so, you know, we, we take with huge humility that, that, um, that you, in fact, you know, tune into our podcast, you share our episodes, you comment. We love it all. We're so grateful. And we're grateful that, you know, you, you stayed to the end to listen to the conversation because, um, you appreciate nuanced conversations. You, you know, I think we all do that. There's no like black or white answer to any of this. And, and I think when we can engage a healthy rounded conversation around things, it it makes things just fit a little bit easier in our mind and we can grab what we need and get rid of what we don't need and don't take our word for it. You know, re research, find out the things that you're interested in, follow through with that. And, um, 
what are some resources? What are some things you like to read, David, to, to sort of educate yourself? Or where are some places that you sometimes recommend people go? Well, right now in El Paso, um, one of the main resources I want to give real quick. Give me a second because I have it written down right here. Hold on. And just while he's grabbing uh, whatever he's grabbing, I would say that, you know, um, I, I try not to read too much into the news and the mainstream media, but I so do. One of the yeah. So one of the resources that I want to point out for, you know, people that are in El Paso, or even if you're not in El Paso, because it's a really good resource, it's reduce the risk 915.org. And this is one of my patients actually is one of the, the people that are front running these resources, but you go onto that site and they give you tips for, you know, healthy habits at home while we're quarantined and how to shop better and how to be eating better and resources if, you know, money is an issue right now or if you need help for testing, where to go get tested. I mean, if you just need answers and you're confused and stuff like that, you know, I didn't even know about this resource and I live here. So mm -hmm. we need to get the word out. So it's reduce the risk 915.org. But just go on there and just kind of go through the site and you may find some things there that you need. Um, you know, and, and, you know, outside of that, man, like, I'm just always on the lookout for the latest. Man. You know, I'm just like everybody else. We all want answers. Um, but like I said, like, my thing with myself, my family, and all my patients is we have to be proactive. Yeah. And if we're not doing that, we're not where we need to be right now. Love it. Yeah, I'll just add in, um, just as you were grabbing uh, that, that information, I was going to say that one of the places that I go to um, is Del Big Tree on the high wire. And he's a great source of information. And um, some people, I think, get triggered by many different messages, but his tends to be one that's, for, as far as I can see, is, is coming from a very scientific focused and, and questioning, questioning, you know, the, the mainstream narrative. And without healthy skepticism, we wouldn't have got to this far as a species um, as we have. And so I, I like hearing things from different sides. And even when it's like the side that I, that I don't love, I sometimes listen just so I can understand a little bit more where people are coming from. But uh, the resources you shared, David, are awesome. That's great. And, you know, if you've been stirred by some of the, the suggestions, you know, at the bare minimum, you know, start looking at your body as a more adaptable vessel. And how do you make it more adaptable by putting the right kinds of foods and nutrients and movement and supplementation or whatever it is Excuse me. Into, your, into your lifestyle so that you can be more proactive. And I think that's an important message. So that's it, buddy. Love it. This one was heavy, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This, this was not easy for me and Nick to, to roll out today, but I'm so glad that we did because I just feel like some of these things need to be said. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we'll have a couple more of these with just me and Nick before the end of the year rolls out. And then we will have some amazing guests again coming up early next year. So uh, again, thank you. Grateful for you guys taking time to uh, connect with us. Uh, and uh, love you, man. Yeah, I love you too, buddy. And I uh, love all of you who are listening. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.